Okay, ladies and gentlemen, it is a special weeknight edition of the RC After Hours podcast. And this evening, we're very fortunate to be able to link up with our buddy out in the West Coast. And here he is. He's on screen now, Ben Harbour. Hey, buddy. How you doing? Hey. And there we go. Got your sound. I'm going to bring down that intro music. And (laughs) I've wanted to get Ben on the show for a little while. And um, it's funny. You think I would have better luck with someone in the U.S., but with that three-hour time zone difference, we were finding it very hard to connect to each other and just find a time when I could link in with you and you could get on the show and everything. But here we go. So you should be able to see everything going on there. Hey, it's Brian Chambers is uh, watching live. I didn't really advertise this one because we didn't know when we were going to link up and get going. But hey, we're here now, and um, I'm going to put Ben into the hot seat. We're going to talk about some of his creations. I really want to get to know and see what he has done over the last couple of years. And, uh, you know, you've been on a few podcasts now. I know you've the last one you did was with the flight test one, and that's been a long time now. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. And I know we, we discussed it, I think, midsummer, and like I said, we just never quite got in there. Uh, again, I'm just going to say a big thank you to all the new subscribers on the YouTube. YouTube channel and all the new um, uh, listeners to the podcast. Uh, the numbers are doing surprisingly well. As Chris, you know, uh, used to say, this janky little podcast. Uh, we're still, it's still, you know, I know it's me and I know I try and I know sometimes I don't quite get the two week window in. You know, I try, boys. I tell you, I try. Um, but, uh, you know, we're still going to keep plugging away. The show is still going to keep going. Why? Because I can. Uh, we've got the technology. I've got a lot of guests already lined up for 2020. And I got a lot of projects that I think is going to keep the show invigorated and the uh, the people coming to talk about it uh it's kind of neat to, to uh talk about some of the variety and the different stuff and that's where ben comes in because ben does something very different we you know we don't often talk about the foam board uh, uh aircraft and 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 sitting behind me for anybody who's in the visual and for the audio people i will explain what i've done later on in the show uh, talking about some new projects for 2020 and probably my big project for 2020. So um, without further delay, and uh, we've got a few other people on the on the chat. So if you have questions, uh, don't fire them in right now because I won't be able to catch them while I'm talking to Ben. That's the only problem with being a solo host is I can't multitask <laughs> and talk and keep an articulated conversation going. But again, thank you for all the Patreon subscribers. Thank you for hanging out with us. If you want those RC After Hours stickers, there's a link on the Patreon uh, site and, and the RC After Hours link, and it's in the show notes and everything. If you want your sticker and your existing Patreon, or you want to become a Patreon subscriber and get the stickers, there's a form and there's a method and everything, and I will be more than happy. And my and my friends out in the U.S. who are supporting us, uh, John, uh, he's more than happy to send out to people and get you everybody. Ben, I owe you stickers as well i think you're on my list uh and i will get you out some because you were building a wing and i didn't have a sticker on the <laughs> wing i mean goodness <clears throat> gracious so we'll work yeah, on it i need we'll, my blame andre yes the blame andre and the rc <laughs> after hours we'll, we'll work on that uh and you know it's it's january so things are are going to be a little slow and everything but we're still going to have a lot of fun um so yeah enough about that enough about me enough about the show Ben, Ben, welcome to the show, man. It's uh, it's good Thanks. to have someone on. Nice T-shirt. Uh, oh yeah. So, so 
run us through. Run us through someone who doesn't know you. How do you explain this hobby to somebody? That's a good question. Uh, explain the hobby to somebody. It is how I get a lot of creativity in my brain out into the real world uh, in a way that doesn't require, uh, you know, aerospace level funding, uh, which, yeah, I do work for a big company. I don't want to talk about that. Um, <laughs> it's, you know... I do the hobby because it's fun and I like to experiment and that's what I loved when I came across and finally, you know, found flight test and uh, saw what they were doing with foam board and hot glue. And that was just totally, just so right up, you know, my alley. Uh, it opened up a whole new world of, uh, of possibilities of what you can do, what you can imagine. Uh, so it's, it's just really, really fun. <laughs> So backtracking, have you always been in the RC hobby? Is this, or is this something that's kind of filled you in later on in life? So, I mean, uh, see, I started modeling. I've always done models, uh, if not, not to, you know, modeling, modeling. Um, I've always, my dad and I built like the click together, you know, plastic models uh, from really as far back as I can remember. I used to build everything under the sun cars boats uh planes submarines <clears throat> excuse me uh and so i always loved to build and kit bash and put stuff together and and i mean legos and and all kinds of stuff and i think when i first got into rc it was a little i mean a little bit later it was uh, in my teens uh i think i was like 14 or 15 when I got my first RC model, and that was a Stick 40 gas trainer, and had some guys at the local field help me maiden it, because I'd flown, oh wait, no, that's not true. Um, that was my first powered model. My first entry into RC was slope soaring, and that was when about 14, 15. And my dad and I were walking around a local park called Fairview Park, which is where I still fly a lot, actually. And there's a site uh, at the park where there's a dirt strip where you fly all the gliders and electric power. And then uh, off sort of to, this, to the west uh, at the park, there's, the, there's a hill we call the Bluffs, and it sort of faces west-ish, uh, southwest, so the prevailing winds. So you can slope there uh, when the wind's blowing. And we were walking around the park, and we saw a bunch of guys with what looked like a10 models flying around the sky with no motors, so it was all silent. And we see these like vaguely A10 looking airplanes um, just beating the snot out of each other in the air, and they're just they're literally just running, you know, trying to knock each other out of the sky. Um, intentional midairs, <laughs> you know. Um, and I'm like, what in the world? And it turns out one of the guys who live nearby uh, cut these kits out of styrofoam in his garage. Uh, and they were supposed to look like A-10s, and they called them the Carnage Saurus. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's a great name. <laughs> and they were, I mean, I seriously, literally just a square profile block fuselage, a big old square Hershey bar wing with full span ailerons, the 
tail was a bent piece of coroplast with a steel rod to, to hold the shape in it, and two big standard Airtronic servos uh, up in the in the forward section for aileron and elevator, and and rubber band the wing on, and away you go. Um, and so I think we, my dad bought me one of those for twenty bucks, and and you cover it with packing tape and stuff some gear in it, and I was in the air, and did. And I was, you know, um, then the rest is history, I guess, as they say. Um, so I did sloping for a while. Uh, I did, and it's funny thing looking back on that particular model. Uh, I don't think I had it for a few months before I started thinking of ways to change it. <laughs> um, and in order to like get my dad more into it, cause he wasn't really, uh, an RC pilot, um, the the first mod I did is I went down to the local hobby shop and I bought some replacement wings for a small airplane that had a similar uh, wing cord to the air to the Carnage Zorus and taped them or glued them on with a brace and made this big flat A10 wing into a polyhedral wing <laughs> uh, with these like foot and a half tip extensions and then extended the tail longer so i had more tail arm and so i made my i made a giant uh soaring version of the carnage saurus there you go uh, like a thermal model so and but it still only had the in it only had the ailerons now on the inboard part of the wing so the roll response was incredibly dumbed down so it was actually a really good trainer <laughs> nice. it was really sluggish um and it was I think it was probably like a six, seven foot wingspan by the time I added the, the wingtip extensions. Um, and so I'd fly it at the bluffs and then sometimes we'd fly it down at this other, um, another, um, place at the beach. Uh, and whenever I flew it at the beach, um, I'd get chased by seagulls and not like maliciously, but they just would like link up with me and sort of just flop, follow me around the sky, like in formation. Because I was this big white bird uh, that was just silent, sort of you know riding the riding the wind, um, and I just I think I still have some pictures somewhere <clears throat> that that he took. So uh, it's pretty funny. So it's interesting because um, you do some some pretty incredible work and some pretty incredible designs, but do you draw from? Do you draw? Okay. Do if I draw? You, no, no, no. Do you draw from a simple, like, where do you get the most excitement from? From making something that's simple and almost archaic versus something that's super technical? What is that, you know, which one's going to make you the happier pilot, the happier creator? Oh. Oh, man, that's a hard one. <laughs> it probably depends on my mood when I come up with the idea. Um,. I think I'm, I don't, oh man, I don't know. I'm really actually quite drawn sometimes to the, the super simple, um, because it's, it's a different challenge in and of itself to try and do something, uh, rather complicated, like control an airplane in the sky, but to do it really simply, mm -hmm. um, that actually is kind of, I mean, that, that's kind of part of where the, if you remember the baby Bugatti 
that I yep. um, came up with for when, when uh, Orchard was doing his Bugatti build. Um, I mean, the Bugatti as a subject is not the simplest thing as a source material, but when in my uh, birthing of the baby Bugatti, um, that's a weird sentence, <laughs> um, I intentionally uh, sort of forced myself to not add stuff to it either in uh, mechanical or electrical complexity or in design complexity because I was it, it was intentionally a exercise in simplicity and how can I how can I make something that looks like this crazy awesome design but <clears throat> excuse me but is also approachable to almost anyone nice. uh, you know, so it was a, it's a one sheet build with two servos and, you know, it'll fly on two cell or four cell and it can either be very nice or, you know, a heart attack to fly. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess I'm, I'm going to cop out and I'm going to say I like both the simple and the complex, but for very different reasons. What? Um, that's it. I mean, and I think we all kind of go through these these design seasons, and and, and there's just points where <clears throat> I want to build and build and build, and then there's times where I just can't even bring myself to you know pull out a knife and just you know, I've got some wicked ideas and just finding the time yeah. to do it and do it right. And uh, but it's interesting because my scratch build. If I look back at some of the old photos and we, we, you know, in the collective group chat, you know, we will go back and some of the stuff that I did early on and you're like, wow, this is uh, <laughs> this was pretty archaic. And then you look at other planes and go, if I had just known a little tiny bit more, that would have been a success, you know, and you, you, you can kind of look at the evolution of stuff. What was, yeah. what was one of your more um, devastating failures in design? You know, oh, in design, hmm. I, oh man, I don't know. I mean, <clears throat> one of my most devastating failures, period, was the Valkyrie crash, uh, the first one. Yeah. Um, which actually, I don't. I never put out any video of it. It's and don't lament that because it's really not that exciting. It trundles down the runway and gently gets pushed to the left by a five-knot crosswind and then just goes full throttle into a chain-link fence and it, like a cheese grater. Um, <laughs> Foam board. That's, Foam when board. I, yeah. that's when I learned the, yeah, that's when I learned the power of um, a little, little bit of wind over a long area of nose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and no, but, no rudder system on that aircraft, right? No, I did. I just had it. I had it on low rates, and I did not. I did not properly do a good pre-flight, you know, checkout, and and honestly, I didn't pay attention to the crosswind. I should have been. I was too caught up in getting in the air, and um, um, I mean, but in in design. Oh, actually, okay. I don't know how much I've. I, I know I put some videos out on this, but. Um, after a lot of the Super B, Angry B, Turbo B funniness, um, I wanted to push the envelope further. And I'm like, okay, I've got this, you know, modified uh, um, Super B. 
and um, making it go faster? And how can I minimize the airframe around it to just make it just pure motor and prop and go? And so I made a what I call the Super V. Uh, I, I think I showed this somewhere, but it basically was a forward-swept flying wing. Okay. Um, with a little bit of nose to hold the battery, but the motors were mounted on the wingtips, uh, which sound which, it sounds crazy. I mean, so and it was, um, but the advantage of mounting the motors on the wingtips of a forward swept wing is it helps you get the CG forward, which is good, uh, and then it had a cent- it had a single vertical tail, uh, and then a small nose pod or you know central battery bay basically battery pod and on paper it was fine and i I made glider models of it to to test the cg and and that worked but when i went to actually fly it was super squirrely in pitch i had counter counter rotating propellers so i didn't have any adverse you know i didn't have any torque roll problems um but in the implementation of it it just the, the reality did not bear out the way <laughs> the theory did. Uh, and there's a lot of good reasons for that in hindsight when I look at it. You know, I was still using a flat bottom um, high cambered airfoil. It would have worked better as something with a reflex or symmetrical airfoil. Um, but it was a good lesson in okay, here's your idea. The math says that this should work. Well, when you actually put it into practice, I mean, it flew okay on three cell, but ultimately I wanted it to go to six cell and be a crazy speed machine. And it was just, it was not going to go anywhere. Uh, that was, that's when I kind of had to take a step back. And um, I took a break a while from, from doing anything with that power plant. And eventually that became the yellow jacket, um, which started off the whole blame Ben speed uh freak you know race between me and josh finn um so then the yellow jacket grew into the red line and yeah they look more like normal airplanes because guess what normal airplanes are more stable (laughs) yeah 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 you get to a point in that speed that yeah the state you know your control surfaces and so yeah you uh, when you're looking at something that that you're pushing for speed and everything do you have to factor in i remember some of the old videos with josh bixler talking about the good part about the foam board was there was enough grain in the paper particularly in the white paper that it would Mm -hmm. dirty up the air and therefore you got some bite over those control surfaces and i remember him saying at one point when they when they brought in the water resistant foam board the planes got a little bit more slippery and they were noticing some different tendencies Mm. i i don't know that the surface you mean actual surface finish yeah of the of the paper i don't know i there's probably some so in in air performance they call that viscous drag um the effect that the air flowing over the actual surface just the scrubbing drag rather not viscous viscous is how they analyze the math yeah scrubbing drag um so there's probably some difference. I don't know that it's going to be that noticeable. It it might be more. I mean, as far as speed goes, mm. um, unless until you get up really up into the the higher end of things, um, I bet. I mean, it's definitely possible that he could have noticed uh, a difference in handling qualities because 
the scrubbing drag over a surface affects how how much you know resistance it has in a given orientation and so uh if if a certain material has a certain <clears throat> level of you know scrubbing drag then it's going to imply a, a certain amount of um sorry i'm tripping over my mouth the it's going to affect the center of pressure in a certain way and so if that changes then that's going to affect the the center of pressure location and that can affect the stability and handling qualities nice now okay now we're talking you know we're talking probably stuff that affects real size now do you actually see when when you're looking at this do you actually see a lot of this information still present in a smaller aircraft like, like an rc designed aircraft um in terms of like the drag considerations and such or yes yes yeah like in everything where you know like your your center of pressures um, and everything you know the yeah the center of pressure and all that kind of relationship that all scales so if if you have an airplane at this scale um or well let's go the other way around you know take a full-size aircraft and scale it down linearly um all things being equal for you know, mass relationships, if you have the CG in the same scale position and uh, everything else is the same, you, the center of pressure is going to be the same. Now, your performance and handling are going to be totally different because the performance of the airfoils doesn't scale. Yeah. Uh, so that's one of the biggest differences. Um, and the, you know, at this at our Reynolds number, at our scale, the the flat bottom sort of I call it the trapezoid airfoil that the typical flight test fold over wing has um, is kind of flying under the radar of a lot of aerodynamic ills. Um, <laughs> at our scale, it doesn't really matter because if it makes lift, it's fun. And, yeah, you know, full stop. We'll make it work. It. And every it sort of just pushes through everything else. Um, in the realm of things that Josh Finn and I are pushing towards, you know, getting up to over 100 miles an hour and beyond, um, you're starting to get um, into a higher Reynolds number where the airfoil shape and the even the trailing edge of the wings matters. So the blunt trailing edge that you'd have on almost every foam board model is fine. It totally doesn't make a difference uh, on performance for 90% of the foam board models that we've, that I've ever flown. Um, but for things like the red line and Finn's Sharknado, um, well, I've, I'm actually in the process of building his right now and I don't know how he did his trailing edges, but on the red line that I built, I took aluminum tape and, um, put aluminum tape on the trailing edges of all my flying surfaces. So the wings and the tails. Um, and I shaved, uh, I get I have a really shallow bevel on the trailing edge and then put aluminum tape uh, across the top and bottom on the trailing edge so I had a razor um, trailing edge. Um, and so that, uh, it reduces your, your base area and uh, every little bit counts in drag uh, as you go yeah. up in speed. Yeah. Now, are you doing any any modeling because of the stuff, the technology you have access to, or is this just all in your head and, and trial and error? Uh, for all of my hobby stuff, it's 
uh, it's all mostly trial and error. I don't really, I mean, uh, even at work, I don't, uh, it's not my uh, job to do the sort of CFD analysis kind of thing. I do, I work in a field called configuration. So it's actually a lot of the same kind of things that you do when you are coming up with a new RC model. I'm in the design and um, 3D modeling and I'm putting the, the whole airplane together from a high level perspective and then other people who are much smarter than me in all of the specific uh, areas, they do all the analysis and, and then we work together to iterate and make things better. Um, but at home, uh, I do use a 3D modeling program uh, to do uh, many of my designs because it helps me do the layout because I think in 3D, I think in that way, uh, in that space, and then once I've got it worked out how I want it to, you know, be when it's done, <laughs> then I'll start to chop it apart in three in the in the modeling program and then unwrap it, unfold it, and make plans that I can actually print out and yeah, uh, and then cut out from and or if I can have access to someone with a laser cutter, then I'll um, make friends with them and have them cut me a few laser files. <laughs> nice. So so uh, design wise, I'm going to ask you another really good question. Do you prefer okay. something that you're creating from your head, or do you like to take a model that pre-exists and, and, and engineer that into the foam board world? Um, I think based on my prior performance, I <laughs> I prefer to take existing things and recreate them. I don't I don't I haven't come up with many original things. <laughs> um. I did the A4. I mean, I did a bunch of jets yes. that are all existing. Yeah. Um, I've done the commuter, which is based on the 150, and uh, the Stearman, which is hopefully upcoming, maybe soon. Um, but as far as my own, I'm looking around. I don't know why I'm looking around. There isn't anything around me that's going <laughs> to... Um, I don't know. I, I do like to come up with new things but i guess when it comes to doing foam board stuff um there's a lot of challenge fun in just taking something that exists and making it real at this scale and real in this form and um making it something tangible that you can play with as opposed to you know just looking at pictures or watching it fly around um and even you know, with with a lot of the jets that I built, um, a lot of people only see them in pictures or videos. Um, you know, like the, like an A4 or an F4, they're hardly even flying anymore. I mean, I, yeah. I don't know that there are many flying models of uh, Phantom Twos out there. I'm sure there's there's a few, uh, but to to be able to take something like that from history and bring it back, you know, to life is really fun. Um, lately I've been kind of taking a break. I think I haven't been doing a whole lot new design stuff. Um, I kind of got burnt out a bit on, <laughs> after I crashed the red line. <laughs> uh, it happens. It, it was, happens because you sit there and go, how many hours is this going to take me to resurrect a new design, right? Or new model. Yeah. 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 Well, I guess the red line is one example of an, my own design. The red line and the yellow jacket. Yeah. Uh, Okay, yeah. 
So, so in the last the last couple of years, you've been you've been coming to Flight Fest and you've been producing some pretty amazing things uh, between the F sixteen, the Viper, uh, the A four, the F four, and then the B fifty two. Now, of those, what was your ultimate favorite? Oh, by a B fifty two, by far. <laughs> I mean, absolutely no contest. It. That was such a fun project. Um, man, I, I, I really kind of lament not flying it more, actually. Yeah. Um, it, like I, I, it's funny to think back on it now. I mean, I spent all, we, we spent, it wasn't just me, you know, it was me and um, eight other people probably over three days um, built the thing, and then I flew it twice. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that Flight Test got, um, took it and, and continued to fly it and, and then, you know, took That's it apart and did all kinds of crazy stuff with it. Um, but that definitely was, is, is one of one pinnacle that I'm always going to look back on with a lot of, of fond memories. Um, for, for one fact that it really, the, the genesis of what, showed up and flew at flight fest um was very much a joke <laughs> to start with um it was and very much and kind of an accident um because i had done like you mentioned the viper before yeah yep. uh and i had sort of unveiled it i i, I did the viper for dan Sponholes because because he kept poking at me because i did the a4 and then i did uh, the F4 and F5, and he's like, hey, when are you going to do an F16? Because he used to work uh, on F16s. And uh, I'm like, okay, fine. So I did the F16, and then I surprised him with a special Thunderbird skin that um, Steven Ro- Rosma did. Um, did I say his name right? I think so. Um, and then they all got wet and damp. Faster, faster <laughs> Rasterize, yeah. yes. Let's just go with um, code. Let's go to you form names. So yeah, I did the F sixteen, and I scaled the F sixteen to be the same scale as the A four in my lineup, so that I had all my jets at similar, you know, scale and size. Um, but then I did a small, small. I do air quotes <laughs> for those listening. B fifty two, which was turned out to be a seven foot wingspan. Yeah, small, small seven foot wingspan. Not that small, and I swear, I did not plan even that one to be that big. And the uh, we're in story mode, so I'm just going to go into it, right? Um, the the origins of the seven foot B fifty two are me and the propulsion engineer that I work with at work were talking about what we like what we could do with a bunch of small motors. Cause I told him I had a bunch of these tiny little motors, yep. the gremlin 1106 motors. He didn't know what that was, but I, you know, we all know what that is. Um, and I said, okay, what would it scale to if I used one of these tiny motors? And he's like, all right, let's do the math. So we worked out the scale simply based on engine diameter yep. and the smallest props that I could conceivably put on the motors, which were 1.9 inch four blade props. And even at that tiny, to me, seemingly tiny scale, the B-52 is so massive that that <laughs> scale is seven foot, a seven-foot wingspan. And when I told him that, he's like, well, dude, now you have to do it. Yeah. 
Seven foot seems manageable, completely manageable. So that grew in, so that became my, the first B 52, which plans are on the flight test forums, uh, for that one. Um, and it uses the little 3d printed, uh, duct that I made for the gremlin motor. And that airplane, a seven foot wingspan airplane at the time, it was the, one of the biggest ones that I had made. It only weighed five pounds. Mm-hmm. It flew on a single 3000, uh, milliamp four cell. <laughs> Um, and so fast forward a little bit, um, Keegan Sponholes and I were chatting about the F-16 and the B-52 and he's like, oh dude, we should fly the buff and the F-16s in formation because that's a thing that they do in real life. And I'm like, well, the scale's wrong. We've got a seven foot B-52 and a 40 inch or a 30 inch, you know, F-16. And I, I, we were chatting on, on Facebook and I did some quick math on the side, uh, and I figured out. Oh my goodness. They are literally almost to like the second decimal point, uh, a one half scale off. So the F 16 at its scale was twice as big as it should be. So I said, well, Keegan, you either got to make the F 16 <laughs> half as big or the B 52 twice as big. And big. he's like, gee, which one are we going to do? <laughs> and come, thus, come on a half size F 16. What, what could, go wrong right i know six yeah 16 inch wingspan f-16 yeah Yeah, josh so thus began the the road towards the 14 foot b-52 um and it only i before i get too off track i gotta say thanks to josh bixler and all the guys at flight test for uh supporting that project because it would not and john overstreet too yes um it would not have happened without monster foam, without them cutting, they lasered the file. So I took my seven foot B-52 plans Times and I didn't redesign anything. I literally hit two X on the scale factor. I had to cut it up differently into how it laid out on the 30 yes. by 40 monster foam uh, sheets. But I laid it out so that it would, pr- so that I could give them DXF files, so they could just shoot it in their laser and spit out foam. And uh, John Overstreet helped them do that. Uh, and so I got a stack of foam at Flight Fest and a stack of electronics, and I brought 120 feet of wire. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. Yes. Um, yeah. and, because motor extensions are a thing. You got <clears throat> all the ESCs. excuse me Uh, all the ESCs were in the center fuselage um, and so I had to run the three phase wires out to the wings how many motors eight times there you go eight times twelve eight times three sorry yeah eight times three um, times the inboard motors I think were uh, four foot from the center line and the outboard motors were like seven feet or six feet I don't know something ridiculous um yeah <laughs> yep. but then we stumbled upon a piece of technology that's probably going to really change what we're seeing in the next little while and um yes. yeah i mean and and, and it's bringing hopefully because this guy here likes to fly his jets and he does eventually has to build one but yeah yep you found something, and we found, and 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 John again has been pushing, helping to push the boundaries of what works. So we, you yeah. know, and and boy, 
and it all stemmed from from this little idea. Yep, it's uh yeah the the BDF has become a fun uh, happy accident out yeah. of the the B fifty two, and I still remember it was I think it was before we even flew the first time uh, before we flew the B fifty two at Flight Fest. Josh and I were talking in the hangar, and he asked, you know what you know what's the thrust on name so we just start talking about these um ducted fans which originally i had just scaled up from the two inch version and then i've improved it and made some modifications um to the stators and and how the motors mount and um but you know being able to have a, a four inch ducted fan that runs off of a very rel- relatively inexpensive and very available motor class, you know, the, the 22 something size motors, um, and be able to get, you know, efficient thrust out of that, uh, is, is kind of a game changer. And then John really pushed it further and, and, you know, is able to, he, he's able to, to prototype and test in a way Goodness. that I could, I mean, it, 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 I don't, I really kind of, you can't fault the guy. I mean, it, his job is prototyping. So, I mean, yeah. it's, um, you know, I look at him like, gosh, why can't I build like that? Well, if, if it was my job to build all day long, then I'd probably be building. If you like had that. the resources but, and the hangar and everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The stuff that comes out, but, but yeah, the, his ability to, to iterate on something and, and try it out. And, you know, we would be messaging and he'd be trying out the F 16, or his F-16 that he originally, you know, made for a 70 mil EDF, just like I did, um, scaled it up to, to hold, uh, the, the four inch BDF and, and started playing with it and, and started burning out motors. And, uh, we try to figure out, okay, why is it the inlet? Is it the nozzle? So he would be out there. I mean, and we'd be messaging over just, you know, the course of maybe one or two days and he'd be already through like four different ideas. Yeah, that I, you know, here, try this or try that, you know, cut a hole here, you know, add some cheater holes there. And, um, and, uh, we got to where it is now and, uh, it's, it's really, uh, really kicking butt. Uh, it's pretty reliable. And the, the F18 version is, is even cooler yes. because it doesn't add a whole lot more mass in foam, but you're doubling your thrust. So yeah. your thrust to weight performance is, is way better on yeah. the super Hornet. Uh, which is really, really cool. And then the added wing area, the thing floats for days. It's really, really cool. I, you know what? There's a model. Yeah. I, I There's a couple that when they come out, I, I can't wait. I, I'm like, I don't know when I'm going to have time. I've got an A10 in the back that, I, that I've got to do a BDF. The really nice, important thing that I want to stress to anybody listening is the BDF is when you start running the the financial numbers on this, this thing is going to get people into EDF jets. Now, okay, you're still going to, if you're, if you're going 6S, it's still going to cost you the money to get the 6S, but the cost of the ESC and the motor combination alone, you're going to be very pleasantly surprised. And I think that's going to be the most amazing thing because you're going to be able to fly a jet and you won't have to sit there and buy an EDF motor. You won't have to buy an EDF, uh, you know, a, a rated like an 80 amp ESC. So it's really yeah. going to be cool to see all this go. Um, well, and I got to poke a little bit on the battery side too. The, if you want to go to, you know, big success batteries, you can, but 
part of what Josh had originally asked me to, to do was yep. um, would prove out, can you fly this on, you know, not those crazy batteries? And so the A10, I actually built the FT A10, yep. and I closed up the gear pods, and I put the BDFs uh, in the nacelles and actually built it out that way. And it flies on uh, simply two 2203 cells in series. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's not it's literally it's the same battery that I put one I put one of those batteries in the Stearman, or I or I, you can throw it into a simple cub. Yep. Um, anything else, you know that flies on a 2203s, uh, you can just have a box of 2203s's, and you know either you, you put them in by themselves, or you put them in your BDF jet in series, yep. and then off you go. I mean, be, again, because like you said, the the amp draw isn't you're not up in the 80 amp range, so you don't need those bigger capacity high C batteries. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and, you've got, and it runs off of a 35 amp ESC. And the nice thing, too, is if something happens and you do damage it, you haven't damaged a 6S pack that's worth, you know, 100 bucks. You've damaged right. a $20 3S2200, you know, or something like that, right. depending on where your sources are. Everything costs more money in Canada. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, so th that that has been, like you said, it's a happy accident. And, and as a jet guy, I'm like, this is awesome because I really, I haven't been out flying a whole lot yet this winter, but it's like I need to get my A10 flying. So then I, I do have all these 6S packs. So why not, mm -hmm. you know, get some jet flying in over the holidays and have so much fun. So, um, so yeah. you know what, man? I congratulate you because for, for me, that's like one Thanks. of the, biggest hugest things and it's going to change how we we view a lot of the uh the the upcoming products hopefully yeah i'm excited to see yeah. them actually come out uh, actually i was just flying i'm looking to my side um if i, I can't really put it behind me because it's too cumbersome but the i was just flying the a10 uh this past weekend and uh, i modded mine to have fowler flaps which is really fun so you just um, get in there and slow it right down and, and everything. It slows down. It slows down so good. And then it even, I mean, it, you wouldn't think because with a big prop, they're known for their low end punch. EDFs, not so much. Um, but with the, with the BDF fans on the A10, I can slow it down with the Fowler flaps and then flick the flaps and mash the throttle and it just goes vertical. Nice. It's so fun. <laughs> I, yeah, and it's funny because I, I was working on, uh, when, when Motion released the airliner, I actually did a little mashup in, in just a really terrible 3D mashup. And the whole principle mm. was, if I'm going to land an airliner in the snow with an EDF, I run the risk of destroying blades. With a BDF, uh -huh. if I snap a blade, I've snapped a 50 cent prop. Okay, a 50 yep. cent three blade, four inch prop. I got it. You can buy them, like you can buy bags of these for pennies. Swap yep. it out and go. Um, it's funny. I'm watching some of the comments, and Lee Davis just said, well, we definitely need a flight test Avro Arrow. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. That would – and I did something like that years ago. It looked basically like an Avro Arrow. It was really poorly mm -hmm. done, but that was 3S, 64 mils, you know, and I've got all the other ones. But like I said, bang for buck. Yes, your scale yep. is a little bigger than, say, a 70 mil, like a 4S, 70 mil EDF, but – oh. We all know too. It's not much more work to make that aircraft just that little bit bigger, and you get the results of it, like you said. So, I'm. But when uh, you go up in scale like that, there you get the you get the advantage of the added area. Yeah. The returns 
actually only benefit um, when when you're designing for a lightweight, efficient power system like the the BDF. Um, if you were to scale up to a four inch EDF, uh, like a that's a hundred and one or hundred yeah hundred and one yes. millimeter it's EDF. Ridiculously if big. you were to if you were to design an Avro Arrow uh, with for four inch or for for hundred millimeter EDFs, that would be a fast heavy beast yeah uh because you're gonna be you're gonna be you're, you're gonna need 150 amp escs you're gonna need probably eight cell power yeah i mean it's it's gonna just spiral in the heavy direction and it's gonna be it would be awesome yes but it would be a completely other you know other animal the same size airplane designed around a 35 amp draw you know four inch bdf uh, even what is it a is it a quad motor the Avro is it a it's four engine twin. or two twin it's a twin okay yeah Iroquois um, <laughs> so you design it around that you get up to that scale when you when you don't have to design for the weight and uh, you know just the the sheer mass of all that battery for like the eight cell battery and the big hundred fifty amp ESCs um, you can lighten up the internal structure airframe. You can make a very, very light airframe because you're carrying around, again, you know, 2,200 three cells, probably four of them. Um, uh, and then you're, the, the area of the wing, just the whole thing, I mean, it would be a, yeah. it would be a kite. <laughs> well, this is it, and that, that's mean, the arrow. The arrow is just like a giant Delta wing style aircraft. So, I mean, yep. The F-18 that John designed flies so well, and and things like you know reinforcing the the uh, the elevators with the uh, with the wood and stuff like that, mm-hmm. so you can get in there and just flick those ailerons like crazy, sort of the elevators, and make that aircraft flip yeah. around. Um, the 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 Avro would just be this big, giant, beautiful monster. I'm gonna have to call John after. <laughs> You'd probably you would probably have to wait for low wind conditions and only fly it in early mornings because it would be so buffeted by the wind Yeah, because it would be, have such low wing loading at that size. Um, like for instance, the, the, this, the 14 foot B 52, we did the math on the cubic wing loading, uh, which for those who don't know the square wing loading, like ounces per square foot or pounds per square foot, um, is a measure of, uh, just it's just the, the weight of the aircraft divided by the area of the wing, which if you're talking about two airplanes of similar size, it's a good comparison. But when you're comparing two airplanes of very different size, wing loading doesn't help you. But cubic wing loading is a way you can compare two aircraft of very different scale and get a measure, get an idea on how their handling compares, um, even when they're not of similar scale. So we did the cubic wing loading comparison <clears throat> for a B-52 and it has the same cubic wing loading as a balsa backyard chuck glider. That's so, how lightly loaded the, air, the, the structure is because that 14 foot airplane weighed 32 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> it's insane. And flew great, but so you're saying if the winds kicked up enough, you wouldn't have you yeah you would have been fighting yeah, a lot if the more. Wind, well, that's why I wasn't flying it at noon. Yes, um, on like even the second day. Gotcha. Um, the first day we flew it at 
um, right before sundown because we had just finished it and I just wanted to fly it. Yeah. And uh, I looked at the winds and it looked good and we were fine. So we flew. Um, but the second day, I could have flown it at any point during that day. It was ready to fly. But um, I didn't want to fly it. I mean, it was it was too windy. Yeah. And it wasn't too windy to fly basically anything else. But it, it was too much for that, and, for that and, one until... The- and for people that don't know, the problem we run into with the way Fury Field is set up, most of the time the wind is pushing uh, across the crosswind, across the runway, pushing the aircraft back towards the pilot. So when Ben is trying to land his 14-foot wingspan, we the, the tarp, the, 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 the runway that we lay down is significantly wide enough, but... That aircraft took up every square inch of that runway as far as it's from true. left to right, you know. So, I mean, it looked great. But like you said, why? Why put us, why, why put that, that extra uh, um, risk? Uh, speaking of check gliders, Bill Decker wants to know, I what's the one behind comment. you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that is, so I'm pointing behind me for those who are listening. The flare. Um, <laughs> the, that's a flare, um, DLG. Um, it's a used one. I actually, I think that particular airframe is one of the uh, early concept, like prototyping airframes, because I got it for a stupidly cheap price when it comes to DLGs. Um, that air, that the the thing about the flare is, it has not only uh, trailing edge flapperons, it also has leading edge flaps, uh, or you know, drooped slats. Um, so you can, so it does have a fifth servo, um, and for people who don't know DLGs and doesn't make sense, but, um, the, you have two servos, you know, for each, uh, flapper on, on the trailing edge. And then normally you just have rudder and elevator. So it's a four servo plane. The flare, um, gives up a little bit in adding weight. So you add a fifth servo, but what it allows you to do is you can deflect the leading edge of the wing and get even more camber tailoring uh, and camber control on your wing. Uh, and so you can basically hang on to that just every last little bit of lift. That's, uh, that's uh, It's a really, really cool concept. Neat. And it's all carbon. I mean, it's all molded. It's, it's insane that they can do this um, movable leading edge on a, on a, all, like a molded carbon wing. And the airplane still is competitive in DLG weights. It still weighs less than nine ounces. Crazy. Um, it's, it's insane. Yeah. Crazy. It's just for fun for me. I don't go into competition, um, but I love being able to, to fly it, which so, haven't in a long time. So I, I pulled up the flight test commuter store uh, for your, your, for your airplane that you designed and they sell mm-hmm. kind of the, the genesis of this question is, what do you? What does your crystal ball show for you for 2020? Well, where are some of your interests? Are are you gonna try and do something else like this and do a community build and, and push it through the store, or are you just happy to have fun and 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 create uh, to your uh, heart's desire? Um, yeah. So I do hope that uh, that I can put some more things in uh, in the store. Uh, I mean, not just me, but, you know, submit through the community build uh, process. Uh, and that's why I mentioned the Stearman before. Mm-hmm. Uh, if people have been following my channel, you've seen me fly the Stearman. I had one of them out at Flight Fest. 
Uh, I actually left it there, so I don't know if it's still in the the store building or where it ended up, but um, there's a Stearman in Ohio somewhere because <laughs> <laughs> um, I couldn't take it home. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, for the people watching, I'll show. Oh, I have the red one here next to me. And what I'll do for this. the show notes is I will put uh, his information yeah. in there and he's up full screen to see. Now, this is a full foam board design with a 3D printed uh, wow. radio cowl, which looks amazing. Uh, what's oh, yeah. the wingspan Thank on the Spearman? Yeah. 40, in 40 inches. Nice. Um, so it's a 40 inch biplane. It's all foam board. Now, the this red one I'll keep it up here for a bit for people watching can look at it. Um, the I did go to the crazy degree of actually adding wing rigging, mm -hmm. <laughs> which I don't know if you can even see in the yep. video, but um, I used a bunch of carbon rods and hot glued them in place. <laughs> nice. Uh, and it just adds that little extra, you know, level of detail. Um, so I will not presume to speak for flight test or or any of them but i i can i think i can share i've given them the plans um josh has uh my my design for this and we've talked and it they're definitely interested um they're doing a hundred things at once all the time so all i don't time. know what yeah. the, what the time frame is on it but it's definitely something that i would love to see um come out there have been a couple people who I've given the plans to to help beta build it, and so far they've built them with very little input from me, which I think means that it, it could work. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, so I'm hoping that, that that'll come to fruition. Um, for my own design stuff, the rest of this year, I don't know that I have uh, a whole lot else planned. Um, I'm really looking forward to the uh, one of the jets. I'm not sure. Probably the F, probably the Overstreet uh, BDF F16 um, will come out at some point this year. I'm nice. guessing. I'm, I don't have insider information. Um, but the F16 and the F18, I'm really excited to see them yeah. come out. Um, so I'm excited to see more. Uh, and more stuff with with the the BDF um, and and we haven't I haven't talked to Josh about this but I would imagine that there is a healthy appetite for like a red like a mod kit for the FTA ten to put BDFs in yes that. yeah because uh, it yeah. works really well <laughs> yeah well this is it and it's funny because that that plane. Uh, you know, I flew, I flew one of the early betas and, or, or the one they had in Texas and loved it. And then I, I'm like, yeah, this, this, this needs as much as those props and they were fun. I mean, it just needs that sound. It needs that look and everything. So it's going to be interesting. So I will yeah. have to, once I get through my project, which is sitting behind me, uh, that one is next on my build list. So, cause that's a, uh, that's a pretty easy and fun build. Um, but Geez, nothing wrong with the Stearman. Uh, yeah. God, I, I seem to have a thing for biplanes this year. It was funny. One of the jokes that someone said to me was, "2020 will be the year that Andre flies all his biplanes and all his jets." And it's just, it's just one of those weird, weird, weird combos. It's like fast, slow, fast, slow. But you know, so it's, uh, yep. you know. Well, I, I have a similar thing. I mean, with you know this the speed race between me and Josh Finn. And, um, I know, so, I mean, 
John Overstreet has got his um, jet designs that are designed around now the the BDF. Um, I had already done, or I had also done an F-18 uh, design yep. that I, I never put plans out, um, but as I don't think I did. Um, I didn't want to muddy the waters with, you know, what was going on. Um, and, but I've got, I still have a, uh, a raw, like unbuilt set of, uh, parts for my F-18, uh, kit. And one idea that I've had, uh, is to do, I don't know if it needs to be like a, a Kickstarter or a GoFundMe thing or not, but, um, I would love to try and build that uh, build that out using uh, some of the. Have you heard of JP Hobby EDFs? Yeah, I think so. They're, they're all metal alloy um, EDFs, and they're they're just insane performance. Um, Talking and 12S, I would love right? to do. Uh, yeah, probably at least eight S. Um, but I would, it would be really, actually, no, I think they're only six S. Oh, that's even easier. Six or eight. I'm not sure. Yeah. But I, it would be really cool to build my, um, the F-18 that I designed and put these ridiculously high performance, uh, all metal EDF. So all metal EDF in an all foam plane. Yeah. That's a, what like, could go wrong? Idea I have it in my head. Um, <laughs> but Yeah. So I got to figure out how to fund that because each, you know, one of those motors is like $200. Um, and then forget, you know, the, not even to mention batteries and ESCs. So that still is a, an idea in the back of my head. <laughs> nice, nice. So I'm going to, so we're, we're having a good time here. I'm actually going to pop in and we're going to start some of this. Uh, we're we're going to put you through the hot seat. I'm going to limit the number of questions because I think we've been through a lot of them, but I always have fun doing this um, <laughs> because what you described, I'm really enjoying the conversation as far as design. And I'm, I'm hoping it's a little bit, sometimes people ask for fun, entertaining shows. Other times people want a good technical show and Ben, man, you, you've, you come out swinging for a technical show. Um, and like I said, it's just something that we, we've been needing to do to talk about everything that's going on. And then I'll discuss this one and a few products uh, that have come out recently. So, all right, Ben, are you ready for some hot seat questions? Are you uh, are you worried? Oh, I Probably got the bell. not, but let's go. All right, all right. So, <laughs> so we'll try and keep them fast and quick. You know, I'll hit the what bell. What are the rules? What are the rules? you got to answer these quick. Usually we ramble on, but we've talked okay. a lot already. Actually, it's been a really good show so far. So, hey. But I have like a whole whack of questions. I have a random number that I draw, and I ask you the questions, so we'll have some fun. We'll see how we go. All right, so random generator, here we go. Question number 16. Ah, self-learned or instructed? Uh, Mostly self-learned, but also instructed at key points. For cool. instance, DLGs. DLGs. I yeah. got a lot of instruction from guys of the field, and actually, one of the guys who I ended up working with at work. Uh, I could not have set up a DLG without his his walking me through it. And when I started, definitely taught. Um, as I go on, I just like to try stuff. Nice, nice. All right. Number seven. Oh, hey. Oh, this is going to be easy. Pre-built or 
Are you a builder? Do you actually own anything? Well, besides <laughs> the one behind you, I guess the DLG, do you actually own any other aircraft that are... You do! You got something recently. I, I do. It's in the other room. I And yeah. yes, um, so 99% I'm a builder. Um, I have one ARF in the house now. <laughs> and it it was the one that my friend found at a thrift store. Nice. And so it wasn't even an ARF to me. It was already pretty much built. I had to replace a couple servos and the wheels, um, patch a hole on the side of it. Uh, but yeah, uh, I have a little, I think someone said it was a pilot kit, uh, from a, it's a, it's a Piper Cub. Yep. Um, so Looks great. besides that, everything, everything else is, uh, is a scratch build. He now has a quarter, sorry, a coordinated turn cub. And the running joke was we were going to ask, uh, you know, when you were asking for setups, we we're going to send Chad Capper over to program your radio. You got to listen to the podcast to understand <laughs> that joke. All right. Question number 30. How long have you been in the hobby for? Oh, let's see. Uh, 22 years. 22 years. Nice. Nicely done. Nicely done. Or thereabouts. <laughs> All right. Ooh, I, I usually say over twenty. Over twenty, yeah. That's that's we're we're getting to that point in life. Uh, Mustang or Spitfire? This is an important question. Oh. Oh. Man. oh. It depends on what I want to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> um. Ah. Uh, Mustang. Oh, darn it! I, Sorry, I have, dude. I have the Spitfire up on 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 the uh, on the website right now. We'll talk about that one later on. <laughs> <laughs> darn! Uh, you know what? There, I don't think there's a there's the perfect answer for that one, but it's just some of the lines. I have to say, I love the lines on the Spitfire. Vanilla or chocolate? I do. Uh, dark chocolate. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I'm that way now too. Nothing sweet <clears> for this guy. I do like the lines of the spitfire i it is a i think the spitfire is a better looking airplane what was the most destructive crash you've ever had oh um most destructive um i gotta think now because there have been a couple good ones (laughs) when the valkyrie went in it was it looked bad but i mean most of it was still holding together the nose was shot but I think the red line, um, the most recent crash of the red line, well, the last crash of the red line, <laughs> um, it, it was, uh, I mean, it, it, it re-kitted itself. I mean, the wing was off, the fuselage was in two pieces, one of the batteries was in the fuselage, one of the batteries was 30 feet away, um, there was brush stuck everywhere. Um, there was wires all over it. The last crash of the red line definitely was nice. the most destructive. Nice. <laughs> all right. So question 40 is a bit technical and we're talking about batteries. Cause okay. I love asking. So you, you touched on this very lightly, but three S four S six S eight S. And would you prefer a single pack or a double pack? Oh, wow. That's very application dependent. Okay. Um, fair enough. Fair enough. I, I mean, I I hate to just, you know, sort of lob it back, but it kind of is. I mean, if I'm doing, if I'm going higher voltage, I, I would prefer, um, f- I think, fewer packs. If you can have one pack, 
mm. that's ideal. Yeah. Um, because you don't have to pl- have the losses in connections with plugs um, and, and extra line runs with, you know, wire lengths and everything. Yeah. Um, so if you're going higher voltage, the fewer packs you can have, the better. That's not always feasible, but that's ideal. So, so um, then I'll throw another hypothetical. When you're designing stuff now, you've got your ideal battery. Are you designing now to say, I'm designing an aircraft that's going to fit this battery, or is it just I have to be able to have all the freedom I can to design? Um, I think I lean more towards the freedom to design side of things. Um, I, I mean, in the back of my mind, when I was doing all my jets, I had this, this guy established some... power setup. <laughs> A guy bringing what? some three, some six X packs to flight fast for some crazy reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so, but it like, I don't know the the Stearman. I designed more around the power pack, uh, power pack C, which but, could be yeah. flown, I think, on a three or a four cell. Yeah. Um, and but and my jets were all designed around a four cell, seventy mil EDF. Uh, because I had a lot of them at the time, uh, <laughs> and four cells cheaper than six cell. Yes, sir. But I think yeah. I think I maybe yeah more lean towards designing uh, towards something that's affordable, cool. um, in general. Yes. Nice. All right. Question twenty: Glow, gas, or electric? What's your what's your flavor? Oh, electric. Yeah. Uh, I've only flown one glow plane ever, and that was the Stick Forty trainer that I mentioned at the beginning uh i built it built it out all you know balsa plans the whole deal um i had it was powered by an 040 uh you know glow motor and after one or two flights i a tree ate it and i just did not have it in me to, <laughs> to rebuild that toothpick um so yeah i hear you <laughs> the uh the the i like watching gas yeah, and that's that's a long term goal for me. Like we're talking twenty twenty one, but this aircraft behind me, the 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 um, the, the Waco is going to go Waco Waco mm-hmm. Waco Waco. It's going to go uh, electric because I cleaned the thing off, and every time I touched it, it was a glow plane, and every time I touched a yep. nitro motor, right, I'm like, ah, just just covered. So, yep. Uh, question twenty one. Whenever we'll get I'm there, at, Lee. I'll the, ask that question. Whenever I'm at- Go ahead. Whenever I'm at the big field um, out at Prado, where most of the guys fly gas, uh, after I watch them fly and they're wiping down their planes, I'm just thinking, I don't need that in my life right now. <laughs> On the other hand, it is really, really cool when the guy brings out this like eight foot span Hellcat with a five cylinder radial in it. It's just insane. Yeah. And, and I'm the same way that the flying field that I will be flying the big airplane at is like a half an hour away. And all I can think of is just think this thing is going to be mm-hmm. my car. It will never come into the house. If it does, I got to wipe it all down because I don't want the smell in the house and just that's where electric is just, is just beautiful. Um, so there we go. Electric. Yeah, William. Yes. Future. Future goals are definitely turbine for me, but I need a garage before I even think about that. <laughs> yeah, and then the turbine, the tur- that was there too, and it was you know, and I that that's like way down the road because after we talked oh, to yeah. uh, after we talked to Pete from from Horizon about all his adventures, I'm like, oh boy, but that's getting expensive. That's getting really expensive. All right, uh, you've crashed. Do you grab tape, hot glue, or CA first? Tape. Nice. Yep. 
Tape works really That's good. assuming that the crash is even remotely recoverable, which <laughs> isn't always good a point. guarantee for me. Good point. <laughs> good point. So, so <clears throat> Lee asked, and actually, Lee, this is now question 42 on the list. So um, floats, skis, floats or skis on snow? It's a trick question for on, Ben, right? On, I've never <laughs> on flown floats or skis or snow. So yeah. I'm going to say skis. <laughs> nice. Yes, I haven't tried. I haven't tried. No, nope, that's true. I've done both. I've done the floats on the little uh, UMX Timber, the 2017 Plane of the Year by RC After Hours. <laughs> uh, but I would love to do a, a float plane at some point, but yeah. again, I don't have. I, there, there's a lake about you know just across the street, but we're not allowed to fly there, so. There you go. Yeah, I know. I was uh, last summer. I brought my plane out, and then I realized the place we we're staying at was an active seaplane base, air base. And I'm like, well, so much for that idea. So I took out the RC boat. <laughs> uh, what about grabbing a bag first? Yeah, that's Martin's comment. Yeah, yeah. When you when you yard sale it. So, all right. I like this yep. question a lot. Number three. Name someone who's changed the hobby for you. Uh, I mean, the easy answer is Bixler. <laughs> um, yeah. Cause I mean, it, it, there's a lot of people, um, orchard, um, spawns, um, my dad. Uh, but as far as a, what I would call a massive shift in what I was planning to do in the hobby, uh, before I started watching, actually I'll say, um, David Vindestall. There you go. Because he was my entry vector to flight test. Watching his FPV to space and back. Yeah. Um, and then the suggested videos, you know, um, linked over to flight test. Um, at the time I was doing, I, I had ideas for 3d printing aircraft, which is still a thing. And then even more of a thing now, but when I was imagining it, um, I, I thought that that was going to be where I was going with designing airplanes for RC. I was going to do 3d printed stuff. And then I started watching, you know, David and, and Bixler and, and all stuff with flight tests. I'm like, well, screw this 3d printing stuff. That's expensive. I'm going to build foam board. <laughs> cool. Yeah, no, and some of David's earlier designs as well. So, uh, yeah, there we go. Yeah. David, Vizzo, who's going to be a dad in a couple months too. Congratulations, right. Dave. I loved his announcement. That was hilarious. That was <laughs> Congratulations, good. David. That was really good. Yeah. yeah. Um, for those watching the stream, yes, it did stutter a little bit, but it's back. All right. So a few more questions, and then we're going to jump into some of the new products, and I want to do talk about this bad boy behind this. All right. Number 39, bacon yank or rudder? What's rudder? <laughs> I was going to give you an explanation. Never mind. You punked me. That's awesome. Awesome. <laughs> All right. A few more questions, and then we're going to talk about some of the products out that have been released. And uh, we've been through that one. 25, la, 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 34. Ah, mode. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why, Banking Yank, because I started in slope, and slopers don't have rudders. Yeah. And it's funny. It's uh, I, when I first started flying too. I very rarely used a rudder, and now um, I kicked myself after the A10 for not using the rudder. So you know, unnecessary repairs because my thumbs were lazy. But now I know, and now I work on it. All right, 
Number 34, what mode are you? Mo oh, mode two. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> All right, then we'll finish off. Okay, here we go. We know the answer to this question, but it's fixed wing. Are you fixed wing, rotary, or multi-rotor? Have you ever flown anything besides airplanes? Yes. Uh, so probably 95% um, fixed wing, but I do own uh, three multi-rotors now. I have a uh, actually a David Vinistall Tricopter LR, and I have a Diatone GT2 Quad, which is currently dead, uh, but only because of one ESC, so it'll fly again. Um, and then I also got uh, gifted a Mavic Mini for Christmas. Hey, there you go. Nice. Uh, so I did try a helicopter once many years ago. Didn't go well. <laughs> it's on my it's on my bucket so, list, but I really for 2020 I really had to commit, and it's sitting back there. So all right, then the last question I'm going to ask yeah. you is number eight. Uh, do you pinch or are you a thumbs pilot? Um, actually both. Hybrid? Uh, it, it is situation, for me, it is situation dependent. Um, if I am flying something more relaxing, uh, like, uh, one of my slow slopers or, uh, you know, the cub or the, or the steerman, um, I'm usually thumbing it. But if I'm flying something that needs more precision control, like any of the jets or one of my fast PSS slopers, which can dive at over 100 miles an hour um, without a motor, that's fun. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm definitely pinching the stick because I need precision. I need to make sure that that is not going where I don't want it to go. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah, I usually... Yeah, people have noticed. So it's like a pinch on the ailerons and thumb on the throttle. I don't know. That's just how I just where my hands are comfortable. There were a couple other little fun questions, things like IPA and stuff like that, but we're not going to worry about that. Okay, we're going to step in. <laughs> the first question I have to ask the world, is it Waco or Waco? And I've been corrected, but I still, I actually went online before I shot the video last week uh, and, and looked, and they said it was it was the company came out with something, but it's like someone said it reminds me with, with with taco, and I'm like, now is that taco or taco? You know, and so I'm like, ah, waco. hey, waco, yeah, not waco, I, but waco, I've heard... or like almost like waco, <laughs> but without the h. I, don't I know. definitely, I've definitely heard it. I don't think it is wa uh, waco. Yeah. It's definitely not waco. Um, I grew up thinking and hearing and knowing that it was Waco. Yeah. Not Texas. Maybe yeah. that's because it's yeah, because of Texas. Um, but I think so. from what I've heard it's Waco. Waco? I'll go with Waco. It's easier. Yeah. So behind me is and check out my video, check out the photos on social media. It's a it's a, a Pika one fifth scale Waco. <laughs> Waco, Waco. I don't know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get butchered anyhow. It's like DJI and DJI. What's well, it? Someone's probably pinging me <laughs> saying, WH-WAH-CO. See, that's how, that's how fast social media works. So, way Waco. There you go. So, Waco. 
one-fifth scale i'm going electric it had like a 150 gas no sorry nitro motor in it before it's uh it's old i'm like the fourth owner on this airplane it had a fabric covering on it i'm going with an ultra coat and bright yellow it almost matches the cow i'll do a sympathetic cosmetic and i have to the next big job for me in this airplane besides going over all the ribs and everything is you know checking uh, is cutting in a a bay on the top so so i've been leaning on my little my little social circle and you know asking a lot of people who work with balsa a lot of questions so this will be my first covering job in 20 plus years i built my i probably i probably built that lt40 the sig lt40 back in like 97 98 and it took some time so whoever built this plane did a beautiful job pretty well confirmed it's a real kit um it might might not be but the way some of the stuff is shaped it looks like it's a, a proper kit um Went to my great hobby store here in Ottawa, dropped down. A, they were super, and I put down some money on it. And it was funny because I know if anybody listened, I talked about um, I talked about wanting to focus, and well, there it is. And this thing just happened. It just kind of the the owner emailed me after I asked some questions about another airplane. Said I've got this project plane that I don't think will ever fly, or I don't have time himself. And he's a full on scratch builder. Some of the stuff he was showing me that he built, like huge chipmunk huge chipmunk plane it looked gorgeous and you know so that's what he does so i'm like i can handle this thing and by the way (laughs) one fifth scale airplane with a 72 inch two 72 inch wings i think the fuselage is about 50 inches and the size it's it's when you get up to one fifth and all that like a quarter scale aircraft might fit in the car but the tail the vertical height on the tail would never clear my car right so this is as big as i'm prepared to go right we don't think about that until i get a hatchback i guess until i get a hatchback (laughs) but you know so i have to take it apart but it was it was that it was the size of the tail the the uh your vertical your rudder uh so yeah but uh, it looks good. Oh, and it looks really good when I took off the skin. Um, uh, and that was, like I said, it was a fabric that was painted. So that's, you know, how old this design is. Wow. But yeah. Um, the real cool thing, too, was did the... You... Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, did you consider uh, doing solar techs? I didn't know about it. Now I know about it. Okay. Um, I'm going to try. If this was going to be a gas powered or nitro airplane, I probably would have done it. But because I'm going electric, yeah. I decided to do it. And I saw some photos of them and I thought they looked really nice with them more shiny. It looked more aluminum like. Like, obviously, the, the sure. real plane's got aluminum skin, uh, cladding on it, I think. Uh, I think so. Hmm. It's old enough now, but they looked really nice when they were shining. And I found the uh, I found the other stuff. Um, but next one, I it's I no longer had got this in there, and I was working away and talking with Stuart um, about some of his projects because he's doing a bunch of stuff on his social media about restoring old aircraft. And I said, okay, this will be done. I'll fly this airplane. I'll love it and I'll enjoy it. But the next one on my radar, my hit list, will be a World War One biplane, which will be a gasser. And so that one cool. I could see having a fabric and a full-on paint job and everything. Yeah. And just restore that one. So it's a whole new learning experience. I, I love my foam board because it's 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 you make a mistake and you're like, oh, I'll just go get another two dollar sheet. This thing, the ten meters or thirty-two feet of covering, I don't want to tell you what it costs, right? And yeah, no, that's and a lot. As, 
as much as I love a big airplane, when you got to buy four full-size standard digital servos, whoo. <laughs> so, it's true. Uh, Fa- Lee Davis says fabric yeah. is more scale, and I completely agree. Uh, and I, uh, I'm, I'm, I probably made the wrong yeah. call on it, but I made a call and right away and said, no, I'm going to go with this stuff. One because I want to learn about it. I haven't done a covering in a long time, and I like. Uh, some of the advantages of doing the cover. So, like I said, the next big task will be to do the cut and the, the, the cut the top of it and put in a battery bay, build it all up. And sorry, I whacked the microphone there. Build up the internal so I have a battery bay location and make some quick other little modifications. And otherwise, the plane is will. I have to look over the wing. the The previous owner felt he might have had a warp issue, but I just noticed there were two. Um, there were two bolt points for for the wing struts and i'm wondering if he had got one oh. wrong and that might have set the wing off skew because he said the last time he flew it he had to throw a bunch of trim into it i put the wings onto my bench and they looked nice and level so once i pull the covers off it i'll be able to set the servos up i'm going to 3d print some servo mounts so traditionals they were putting cool. the servos you know vertically well nowadays we like to lay mm-hmm. them down right so i'm going to 3d print some stuff and you know i'm going to make it my plane but it, immediately when i saw it i was like this is an andre project so we'll have some fun that's cool something a little different yeah the, the bo- go the, ahead the plastic covering will be lighter for you as an electric yeah it'll, it'll help yeah and i'm gonna I've solar got- techs will definitely be heavy yeah, and, and and it's funny because I weighed the aircraft before and I'll weigh it afterwards, but it might be at that point I might have done some modifications as far as internal. Uh, and it's funny because a family member saw the photos I posted and the next day I had a bag full of balsa bits at my door. And I'm like, this is like gold because there's just a bunch of little – I just need – uh, mainly, uh, I only spotted a couple ribs in the back with some damage from, from, you know, grabbing it, I guess, over, over the years. So it's in really good shape. Uh, and then I will, um, go through it. And obviously the modification for the battery bay and everything will take a little bit of work and a little bit of design. And I'm going to go through the nice part of taking the cover off is I did find a couple ribs have separated over the years. Like I said, this is a 20 year bill, a 20 year aircraft. So I'll get in there with some CA yeah. and re-stick them to all their, their formers and everything and rebuild it and everything. Uh, and yeah, we'll see. Uh, and, and it's funny. Lee is asking about, uh, did a cub with my dad when I was a kid and the fabric and dope made us all dopey. And I guess that's the nice thing with the solo stuff is now you can iron it on. And that's where my misinterpretation of the, the fabric was. I thought I, and I said, it's middle of winter. It's minus 20. I think like the other day was minus 10 Fahrenheit. So I was like, there's no way I want to be in the garage trying to do this. Right. So, so that's where I made it. Yeah, no, solar tech irons on just like, yeah. just like Monaco. And you can get it in color or you can get it in and white it, and paint it, correct? Yeah, the the ones that you want to, if you want to paint it, you get the silver, silvery gray yeah. version. It's yeah. basically already primered and it's also the best. Um, and that one's you would do for, uh, it's got a fuel sealer in it already. Yeah. Um, well, that's the other thing, right? I've yeah. done a couple slopers. I've done a couple slopers covered in solar techs and it actually irons around compound curves mm. better than plastic covering. 
Yeah, well, and it's funny because I looked at the work. Whoever did this did a really nice job, but then I realized it was painted. I'm like, oh, okay, so you probably, you know, so like when I, when, yeah. so when I do the covering, when I do the detail, its base, its accent color is a is a dark blue. Well, the real airplane with the with the the same serial numbers is based off a uh, is based off an actual um, uh, five, a two seater that flies out of St. Catharines, Ontario. Uh, and it's got black accents. So, but I looked at some nice examples, and they, oh, cool. rather than wrapping around the wing, they just put the color accents across the front, the the, the leading edges. So I'm like, okay, that's simple. The only advantage to putting a little extra layer around the edges is you protect your wings. So I just may double up on the yellow just to protect it from scuffs and bumps and all this stuff because obviously this aircraft is going to be, um, this airplane is going to be, you know. A bit of a handle to transport, but I've already got a storage spot yeah. for it here in the hangar, so it'll be nice and protected. And like I said, I had to focus on 2020 and said, I want one airplane. I want one airplane that I can put a lot of my energy, my me- and I don't have to do it like right away. You know, I can work at this thing little by little, and I'm going to learn some skills. So, yeah, so it's pretty cool. Yeah. So, I'm uh, I'm excited. I know I it's... A question there. Go ahead. What was it? Which one? Oh, I saw. I saw a question. I think William asked. Yeah, William. I've I have not tried dynamic soaring. All right. So what's um, dynamic soaring then? Dynamic soaring is a form of slope soaring, but instead of flying back and forth side to side on the front side of a hill, in the wind blowing at you, you fly on the back side of a hill in the lee of the wind, and you're flying in a circle. Uh, in a pattern that basically it dives down into the dead zone sort of behind the hill where the the wind sort of shears over the top and you then shoot back up into the wind with your the belly of the aircraft facing the oncoming wind over the hill and you gain more airspeed at the top and then you dive back down into the the dead zone and you just fly this circular pattern gaining more speed from gravity and airspeed gravity and airspeed um, the current world record is 545 miles an hour. Mind numbing. Dynamic soaring. No. Nope. So, so, so you have to have the optimal spot from a pilot perspective to observe your aircraft. Then. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah, you're standing on the top of a mountainside. the The place where they set the record is uh, Bird Springs Pass, actually here in California, um, and if they it's like elevation 5,000 feet. So it's not that high, but it's also not sea level. And I want to say the wind conditions at the time were around 60 miles an hour, maybe gusting to 80. Holy. Um, and <clears throat> the guy, Spencer Lisenby is the guy's name, who designed and flew this aircraft called the Transonic DP. It's a 3.3-meter single-piece wing. It does not disassemble. <laughs> it is molded carbon um, in one piece, um, and it, it it he's got airfoils that are like designed and optimized at the Stuttgart University. People helped him um, design transonic airfoils, and it's got this I think a twenty two um, like aspect ratio wing, something insane, um, and yeah, it's he's going at that altitude. <clears throat> I think <clears throat> I think the math works out to be like um, almost 0.8 Mach. <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm I'm 
It's at that's, least in the point seven range. It's, that's craziness. Yeah. That is craziness. All right, we're going to jump into um, some new products. Don't have a whole lot to talk about, but we'll flip over to uh, to the websites. And, oh, here we go. So while, uh, while we were away, um, E-Flight came out with their first, I think their first 6S Warbird in a, in a P-51D. Uh, it looks it looks really good to be honest, uh, and every, all the reviews are seem pretty good. But it does have a bit of a pricey uh, price tag. I mean, it's uh, it's a six hundred dollar U.S. Warbird, um, which is a little crazy. But um, I think for them, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting move as far as uh, pushing their 6S. But they've had it last year. They rolled out several jets, so I think now they have pilots. Who are you know customers who have the the power on hand or have the equipment on hand? Oh yeah, you know and just wanted to go with it. It's a 1.5 meter wingspan. It will take your 6s um, 3,200 to 7,000 milliamp batteries. Obviously, it's got their new smart uh, smart tech for their for their their gear, which is pretty cool. Smart technology. So that's the ESC telemetry, the battery taken care of. I actually I. I appreciate where they're going with that technology. I'm just not sure I could afford it or willing to afford it at this point. But they've got some really neat stuff coming out. And then on the other end of that, <laughs> so they they rolled out what this one. What prop does it come with? Sorry, what prop? It is. Ooh, it's a good question. Is it going to be my specs? Uh, yes, it's a 15 by 15 oh, it looks by like it's 11. A four it's a four blade, 15 inch by 15. Okay, good. 15 by 15 by five. 11 four braid props so like i said uh their their optimal battery is a 5000 a 6s 5000 which is pretty on par and obviously it's got the smart you can get the bind and fly or the plug and play but still really nice looking airplane louis the fifth i think is the uh no louis the fourth i think i'm trying to see what it is yeah yep hmm. so from World War II. Uh, but it's funny because they went cool. from that and then they came out with their little UMX Ultrix Bind and Fly Basic, which looks like a riot, <laughs> an absolute riot, little twin twin thing. So, you know, think they're, think of their Delta Ray, uh, but a whole lot more punchy. Right. Or even some of the transition aircrafts, like their, their, um, their, oh, connect, their Converse or whatever. So the VTOL aircraft without the moving part, right? <laughs> And uh, mm. I think it's just got these tiny little props and everything. What's the battery on this thing? It's probably just like a little 2S. No, sorry. It's a 1S500. Holy. So the same kind of power you run That's on your little, your little Inductrix. They are, but they're brushless motors. They're two brushless motors. So that's still pretty cool. That's pretty what, cool. What's that box in for? To fly all that on a 1S, that's pretty sweet. Yeah, yeah. So $130 US. I don't know what the, the flight times are. Uh, I'm almost surprised it's not a 2S, but I'm sure they're just trying to keep the weight down, actually. I'm kind of curious. Let's see what this thing weighs in at. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Uh, flying weight, wingspan, 13.5 inch. 5S, sorry, 5S, 1S, 500 uh does it show me the way yeah, yeah, one at, only a 500 1s yeah be bigger than that yeah but it's kind of i think they were just trying to keep the i think they're trying to keep the um here we go flying weight 65 grams 
I think they're trying to keep. Oh it, my goodness! To, to, to like buy the the yeah. cost to buy like a, a, I guess if you want more power, more runtime, run two packs, which is what they do on a lot of the uh, um the, a lot of the the multi rotors. Um, but yeah. sixty five grams. The thing must be just just a ride in the wind. <laughs> that's fine. yeah. That's tiny. That's light. Yeah, so that's gonna be you know, but it looked like a look pretty fun to fly. Um, so 130 bucks. That's it's cool. you know, I'm surprised you wouldn't have seen it in 2s, but whatever. All right, this one we've been waiting for the flight test Spitfire. Now this is the redesign done by John. Obviously, this I've got the Spitfire from right. David above me. So this is using more of John's uh, John's uh, Overstreets, uh, and I said it right, Overstreet versus Oversteer. <laughs> I kept doing that. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, more of the curve builds, and I've yet. I'm really bad. I've yet to build one of his planes, and I've got to just to experience some of the changes. Uh, you know, pulling the foam and rolling the foam and everything. But it looks like yeah. a really nice aircraft and it's uh yeah, and when he when 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 you see the pictures of his painted ones it, yes it, they're just gorgeous does a great yeah. job yeah and in things like the you know going to the vinyl uh going to vinyl on the canopy makes a big difference for what this aircraft is you know what and then i forgot yeah. to talk about the flight test released aircraft now this is something that we we knew about, mm. but we weren't allowed talking about. Um, flight tests <laughs> now have two of their own ready to fly, or sorry, uh, well, not ready to fly. Plug and play. Plug and play is the correct word in the sense they've got uh, they've got a uh, um, Cessna and the Beaver. My preference is on the Beaver, and this is kind of neat and fun. So these are brushless. Uh, I think they're 2S 500s, if I remember correctly. The only question I didn't yeah, know. Yeah, I think all the way down to a 350, actually. Yeah. Yeah, a little you can so a little tiny. What I don't know, and I asked the question, and no one got back to me, was what connector did they uh, did, were, were they using? But we'll find out as soon as they, uh, yeah, as soon as the product comes out. What's really cool is they come back and they say the optional flaps, so you could technically get, and it comes yeah. with the floats. You could probably get something really fun, and I think the Beaver is going to slow down really nice, and the other one was their Cessna. So I will have to. There it is. There. Yeah. Um, and then obviously we will eventually see their, their, their little grum and goose, uh, eventually. So I'll throw up the links into the description for the video. Uh, and, uh, Bill Decker is asking, uh, which one, how big? So the little guys, the little plug and plays, the little foam plug and plays from flight tester, 640 millimeters. And the Spitfire, if I go back, the Spitfire had a wingspan, because uh, I got distracted. Eh? I totally scrolled out there. 1,200 millimeters, 1,220 millimeter uh, on the Spitfire. So that's not bad at all. It's a little bigger than, than I think, David's design. Uh, no, 48 inches, 48 inch wingspan. Oh, it should be the same. Yeah. So really the body's just changed, a little bit of stylizing and um you know getting rid yeah. of the turtle decks uh cut out from the uh cut out from the poster board which is probably one of the bigger revisions to do yeah. to these aircraft which is something that Josh had talked about years ago when they jumped to the new foam and uh i think it looks great and then the, you know john uh uses his three uh, sorry his vinyl cutter to do the coverings to the all the windows and everything all the canopies which mm -hmm. looks great so uh, they will sell a bunch of these at Edgewater and Flight Fest. Yes, they will, Bill, because they look gorgeous, and there are tons of others yep. in in the uh, in the field coming up. All right, the next aircraft we're going to Hobby King, and this one kind of 
caught me, uh, caught my eye. It is an HK Tiger Moth, 1400mm, 55.1 inch ARF. Uh, and it looks pretty neat. It's a nice, and it's nice and yellow. I don't know what it is about me and yellow airplanes, but, you know, it's $130. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's a really nice, um, is it a foam plane? I'm trying, it's lightweight, uh, high-quality covering. It is a balsa construction, which suddenly is not offensive oh. to me for whatever reason. Uh, <laughs> 3,000 grams loaded up, so it takes like a 750 motor or a 0.42 uh, to 0.4, 0.7 Oh, yeah, a two-stroke or four-stroke motor, and it's full-control ailerons, elevator, rudders. So it looks really nice. So it's uh, it's kind of neat to see. Now, I haven't talked about the... Um, uh, I'm, uh, I don't even want to really get into this, but... <sighs> UAS remote identification. You guys, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. I'm going to have to study this a little bit more before, and maybe we'll even... Years ago, we had Brendan Shanahan from... Uh, D- DGI is their, their their legal affairs guy. Maybe we got to pull him in and and um, and uh, you know have a discussion uh, about some of this stuff. I know Josh and the boys were down talking to the FAA uh, in Vegas at the uh, Consumer Electronics Show and did a really good job of representing the hobby and as yep. far as our concerns in the hobby. So. Um, obviously the biggest thing I want to point out for this thing is they are still, um, did the FAA, not the FAA, your AMA guys, they, they want everybody to hold on, on the comments before they have a chance to really study everything and give their recommendations. I think was the last bit of communication I had seen, if I'm correct. Uh, um, I'm not sure I've seen that they've got the, they've got a template out, I think, um, for the AMA. Uh, and a few other groups have put out templates. Um, the thing is, I mean, I don't think that there's any limitation on how many comments you can submit. Yep. Um, I don't know how it plays out when they see multiples from this, you know, same name. Um, personally, I took a few days and wrote out um, yep. a rather long <laughs> um, set of responses, and I actually submitted them. Um, as like four different comments um, grouped by more concise topic. Yep. Um, so that each comment itself wasn't super long uh, to wade through. So uh, that was actually a suggestion that Bruce Simpson um, from Australia or uh, New Zealand uh, suggested. Close, close there. It's <laughs> um, where I yeah. first I first heard the suggestion. Won't yeah. Say he invented it, but <laughs> yeah, no, and it makes um, sense. It makes total sense. So um, the 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 open for comments uh, until March second. Uh, so that date is still that's yeah. approaching on us. So I will uh, I will take some time and I will um, because my perspective obviously is going to be slightly different. But I've got a feeling we're going to see the see, see the same thing here in Canada. I. Part of me is join rejoining my my flying club is because of that because by because I'm at a flying club I should technically if something goes crazy I will still have a spot to fly plus I want to fly something bigger and if there's a soccer tournament going on at the field well I can go to my flying field so 
Ah, it's crazy how yeah. things are changing. Um, Flight Fest states, so I, I don't want to dwell on this much longer. I want to get more information so I can comment and help and, and, and leave my comments, but love your, love your opinion. Love that, yeah. that, uh, a logical response. Um, you know, cause there are people on the other end who will theoretically be taking in the information and looking for those responses. And obviously if you're well articulated, they come back, uh, varied comments like Ben mentioned. Yep. There you go, Bill. Bill is in agreement. So um, the only other important yeah, news... the fewer the fewer the, the same thing that they get, it will make yours stand out. Yeah, yeah, uh, and like uh, John Davis was saying, that AMA put out a canned response, which is fine. So yeah, and we're almost wrapping up, Ben. It's all good. Uh, basically, um, <laughs> yeah, Flight Fest has been announced July uh, 16th, I think, the weekend of the 16th. So a couple of us will be there and yeah. we'll have some fun and everything. So on that note, Ben, I think we can wrap up this show. So I'll cue the extra music and I will say, dude, it was awesome to talk to you. Thank you for hanging out and answering all our questions. Thank you for uh, hanging out while we discuss some of the new products and everything. Thank you to the fans. Thank you for the subscribers. Thank you for everybody who's commenting and everything and all the people on social media. Uh, we'll, we'll be back on it. I'm, uh, I've got my next couple guests lined up. We're going to get a couple of special people on the show and everything. But again, hey, mission accomplished. I got bit on the show finally. So thank you, buddy. Have a yeah, great man. weekend. And uh, everybody... Thanks, and uh, keep subscribing and keep on flying. Good night. Thanks. Bye.